I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There is no better group of plots for flower power than forms of the shrubby potentilla. Hello and welcome to This Week in the Garden. I'm Peter Seabrook, here to help with some of your gardening quandaries. I've taken my microphone out on the road with me this week. I was at the Mr. Fothergill's trials in the company of great gardeners and journalists alike. I spoke to one of the champions of bees in this country and the woman arguably responsible for all the gardening makeover shows you see today. Find out what I'm talking about later. My thanks to Sutton Seeds of Torquay, sponsors of this podcast. We had best part of a day's heavy rain last week uh, and on top of uh, several other storms and bits of rain that we'd had already it was an absolute lifesaver. Even so, when I trowel down just three or four inches in my heavy soil it's still bone dry. It's not a bad time to water actually. Watering either before rain or just after it when the soil is very dry, just helps to get that penetration that established plants need. Over the bank holiday weekend, well then you just need to get cracking. With the soil having a bit of moisture, good time to start thinking about autumn planting. It's a tradition that's uh, faded somewhat, but if you can get woody things and a lot of the perennials planted in the autumn, they'll make root in warm soils before Christmas and they'll grow away much better next year. So have a bit of a look and see what spaces you've got and what you need. If you've got busy lizzies that are looking a bit straggly, just prune the long pieces off. With this uh, recent rain, they'll shoot again from the base very quickly and we'll have another six or eight weeks good flowering before the frost. I was interested to read in one of our trade press that Crocus, the main supplier to the Royal Horticultural Society, has recorded a drop in online sales. Does that mean that we've reached a peak? I think not, but uh, up to the 31st of October 2017, their sales were up 20% from 15 million to 18 million but the gross margin fell and they lost £192,000. The falling value of sterling, of course, has an effect where companies are importing quite a few plants from abroad. Remarkably, the garden centre trade for plants until the last fortnight has remained remarkably high. There is, of course, an awful lot of talk now about plastics and how we dispose of them. I was interested to read that Riverford Organic Veg Box Scheme is switching to home compostable plastic packaging by 2020. 95% of their single-use plastic will be home compostable 
and it degrades fully in 12 weeks. A polling by the company indicates that 83% of their customers home compost. I thought that was a pretty interesting figure. You know, when I look down my street, even though, you know, it's a pretty uh, prosperous sort of area with quite big back gardens, very few people now compost. Breaks my heart to see all those brown bins lined up every other week to be taken away when all the lawn mowings and uh, weeds and stuff could be composted. But obviously the Riverford Organic people are much more caring in the terms of looking after their soil. Morrisons too, I hear, are going to drop plastic sleeves for cucumbers where they come from the UK and Holland, even though this act will shorten the shelf life. I mean, it will save 16 million plastic sleeves, (laughs) but a fresh cucumber has a three-day best-before-shelf life uh, if it's unwrapped because 96% of it's water and it begins to uh, lose that as soon as it's cut. I mean, wrapping in just 1.5 grams of film dramatically extends quality. When I'm not growing my own, uh, the film we take off cucumbers gets recycled. Do you know, I'm, I'm just not sure about our approaches to polythene and plastic recycling. I mean, in another article, I read that on average, we throw away four kilograms of clothes on average each year. And much of this, of course, is plastic fibre and, and it can't be easily recycled. I think we need to use less, and what is bought needs to last longer. I mean, my push mower, just think of that, bought when I was 18, used every uh, week, cutting two lawns, one at the front and one at the back, when I've got the energy. Uh, (laughs) And somebody said recently, how often do you get it sharpened? And I said, well, I think it's been sharpened once in 60 years. I mean, they made things to last in in those days. Now we've had the rain... I want to get some high nitrogen fertiliser onto the runner beans. The leaf size is not as big as I would like. Uh, That crop's had a pretty tough time through the really dry weather. And now with cooler nights, plenty of moisture at the roots, they'll really grow. And if I put a little bit of high nitrogen, some miracle Grow or something like that, I should be picking some really good crops in a very short time. I was on allotment too recently where... Last spring, somebody planted some autumn treasure, raspberries. Boy, that's a good variety. Great big berries. And in spite of the really hot, dry conditions, they were picking some really good fruits. You know, it's like the runner beans. Uh, Give those a bit of grow more or some high nitrogen fertiliser and a bit more water if you're on the eastern side of the country and those plants will really repay that bit of attention. I was looking at a bed, too, of busy lizzies. I mean, they'd got established and were growing all right. It's a new variety, Amara, uh, that is resistant to the downy mildew disease. And some of the earlier stems were looking very tall and straggly. I cut them back to make the plants branch from below, and I thought, well, that looks like quite good cutting material. And so I popped them all in a bit of... uh, rooting compost, you know, seed and cutting compost. Within uh, 10 days they'd made root and I've got some nice little plants that uh, I can gap up some of the places where uh, other summer bedding have just been 
burnt right out. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. One of the great champions of bees and everything organic is Val Bourne. I'm with her here in the trial grounds for Miss Fothergill in Suffolk. Now, have you seen many bees here today? I've seen quite a lot of um, honeybees, but the bumblebees are in short supply. And because it's been such a hot summer, they've got quite hairy bodies, and they packed up in my garden about two weeks ago, uh, just because it was simply too hot. Because one of the things people don't realise about bumblebees is they're really clever pollinators, because they can rev up their flight muscles chemically, and that allows them to fly very early in the year and in cool weather. And they're adapted uh, to cool temperatures. And uh, this year it's just simply been too hot for them. And I'm wondering whether um, my bumblebees will come back when we have some rain and it goes cooler or whether they've finished for the year because we haven't seen any. I'm in the heart of the country. Very warm nights uh, as well as warm days and they've just sort of disappeared at the moment You should be encouraged, I picked a bunch of scabious two days ago, left them by the back door ready to take into London three bumblebees working away on just 12 scabious flowers so they're still busy in my garden and, and we're pretty hot uh, in yes. Essex, you know and where the ones uh, have sort of disappeared what are they doing? Will they come back? Well they've gone underground, I mean they, they mostly nest underground they don't have a food supply. So um, I got into uh, bumblebees in the 1980s because red-tailed bumblebees were in very short supply. And I had them in my garden in Northamptonshire. And we were asked on the radio to track where they were nesting. And one of the things that I did was I tried to run across the fields and see where they were nesting. And I never did find out where they were nesting. But the one thing it taught me is that when the bees first come out of the nest... Uh, in the spring, they're very small because the colony is only just beginning to get going. And then as the colony gets more successful and there's more food, the bees get bigger again and then you get the queens coming out. So I'm wondering whether the queens will come out once it goes cooler and you know, then they'll be hibernating uh, and they'll come out and then they're desperate for pollen and nectar. So then we need to be 
growing things like ivy and some of yes. the very early well, spring actually, plants. Well, actually, ivy is probably the best honeybee plant for November, and it does attract a few um, bumblebees as well. But I think what you can tell people is they should be growing simply shaped flowers, saucers and tubular flowers, um, and they should be starting those off in February with crocus and hellebores and they should be keeping the garden going really, really late, as late as they can, uh, with things like salvias and gora uh, and all sorts of plants that go on late, some of the late asters, uh, because you know, there's still bees around in October, particularly now that we've got much warmer autumns than we used to have. And the other thing in gardens is moisture, isn't it? Uh, you know, my garden is watered, I'm afraid, pretty heavily. Uh, and that seems to help most wildlife. I mean, I have so much more bird activity once I start to uh, add the summer water in really hot, dry conditions. And yes. it must be the same for bees. Well, I think this dry weather's been very difficult for bees because the, uh, they have to nest underground and some species actively look for mouse holes so that they don't have to dig. We get the ashy mining bee, which is a grey one, and then you'll get little volcanoes in your lawn. This year, it was so dry, we have very few volcanoes. But that's wildlife, it's dynamic. Some years it's high, some years it's low, and um, I get as much pressure out of watching the bees as I do from growing the flowers. And I have certain favourite flowers that I grow. I always grow blue cornflowers, because they're terrific for red-tailed bumblebees. I'm with you on that 100%. Thanks, Val. Thank you very much. While at the trials, I also bumped into gardening journalist Margot Bishop. I asked Margot about an article I'd been struck by many years ago about how front gardens can have great variety. It was read by a programming executive at the BBC, and on the strength of that... All the gardening makeover shows were spawned. It was the second article I wrote for the Daily Telegraph on their Saturday weekend section. And I imagined myself walking down Lower Richmond Road in Richmond. And there were Victorian houses and I imagined each front garden. And I suggested what you could grow in each garden to make it separate and make it more interesting on your way home from the station. So um, I suggested you have a perfect lawn, because it was so small, you could have a perfect lawn. But in the early spring, you would plant Crocus thomasinianus, and so you'd have a mass of crocus. And then, when you wanted to cut it, they'd be over, it would be fine. Um, The next one, I suggested a thyme lawn. Um, One I suggested you just had a hydrangea. And then... On the opposite side, which of course was north, I suggested that you might have ferns. So I went down the street. <laughs> Quite good fun, actually, to, to do that. Yes. It really was. I mean, the average front garden would be, what, 16 feet by 16 feet. That's right, yeah. yes. Yeah. And the awful thing is that after all these years, I don't think front gardens have improved. You know, you walk home from the station and you think, oh, they look... Now they're just bricks, aren't they? Sad, isn't it? It's so sad. Yes, yeah, space yet, for a car and two or three wheelie bins. Yeah. And yet and yet we could use the edges, couldn't we? Oh, I think so too. You know. There are sorts of ways now that you could have um, sort of a couple of uh, 
straight lines going up for the wheels and plant in between. Yes. Um, I remember a friend of Peter, he said that his front garden was always perfect because his wife used to deadhead it when she was waiting for him to get the car out of the garage. <laughs> <laughs> I think um, having seen all the different kinds of things you can put in a front garden so that they can take the car but can make it as interesting as possible. So many shrubs you could have in between the houses. Yes. It's so important to have greenery in, your, in the street as you go home. Well, and a lot of the stronger shrubs can be grown up on a leg just so yeah. that you can get beneath them. Yes. Yeah. I remember going to um, Montacute House and they had honeysuckle growing on a leg and you had a round honeysuckle on a stem. It looked beautiful. Yes, Dame Elizabeth Murdoch had four in her garden in Australia. I saw pictures of it, and I'm just starting now myself to see if I can train yeah. honeysuckle up on a leg like that. Yeah. I did that too. I mean, it is that you go to a garden and you get an idea. You think, I must try that at home. Yes. And everyone can, can't they? Now for my tailpiece, I thought it would be worth a word or two about roses. Uh, just over a week ago, I went up to the Bomber Command Museum at Lincoln. Hadn't been there before, read a bit about it. Quite remarkable. They have this rusty steel structure that is over 30 metres high, apparently exactly the width of a Lancaster bomber's wings. And when you stand beneath and look up and see the size of those wings... However those planes got off the ground, I'll never know. But it's a really perfect sight for a number of reasons. When you stand at the memorial and look across the valley into the centre of Lincoln Town, you see the cathedral on the skyline. Fantastic sight. And apparently when those uh, Lancaster bombers were coming back from uh, their raids in Europe, that's what they looked for. When they saw a Lincoln Cathedral on the skyline, they knew they were safe and home. Now, I was there for the launch of a new rose called Lest We Forget. It was bred by Chris Warner, so, you know, a good, reliable British breeder of roses, uh, and it's being grown by C.K. Jones. pound fifty from the sale of every bush will go to that museum, which is uh, costing over a million a year to run, apparently. It's a really bright, poppy red uh, Floribunda rose, and the foliage is so rich green and shiny. I haven't grown it, but I'm sure that's absolutely brimming with health and will be resistant to disease. While I was there, people were asking about uh, how you keep roses clean from black spot, mildew and rust when they don't like spraying. Now, when people add that little uh, end remark, I don't like spraying, I don't really understand why. If we use sprays very carefully and apply them at the right time, they can be very effective and they'll do no harm to uh, your garden or to you. But there are several things. If you want really clean, healthy roses, particularly at this time of year, then the first step is to get a very disease-resistant rose to start with. And the carpet series are particularly good in that respect. 
I've had one for over 20 years and have never needed to spray for any kind of disease. They're very healthy. Now, if you're growing some of the older types, some more recently introduced, that are very fragrant, then, sadly, fragrance is very often linked to a very soft leaf cuticle. And so it may be necessary to give some protection. You need to prune hard in the third week in March. That cuts away a lot of... uh, overwintering disease and you need to clean all the old leaves away if you can't sort of pick them up then a really thick mulch so that you've smothered those disease spores to stop them splashing up and infecting the new growth and then as far as I'm concerned once the new growth forms in April May and again at this time of the year after we've headed back I like to use a systemic fungicide It's absorbed by the foliage and just one or at the most two sprays at a two or three week interval will protect roses from those three really debilitating diseases. So those are the options. Start with a really healthy variety, good hygiene, picking up the old diseased leaves or smothering them under a mulch and then that protective spray but it must be onto new growth both uh, after you've pruned in spring and at this time of the year when the second flush of new growth is coming. Thanks again to Sutton Seeds of Torquay and thanks to you for listening. Enjoy your garden. We'll be back next Thursday. Discover more at sungardening.co.uk Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.